walk uh, where you live and, and pay attention to what is going on. Not like you're like judging everything or like you're just kind of taking an inventory of like what is important to the people where, where you live. And um, because that matters, because in order for us to connect well with people, we gotta know where they're at, right? So on my way up this morning, um, I, I took a couple notes in my head and I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. These are things that I noticed this morning um, that were different than last night when I went for a walk at 10 o'clock-ish with my dog. There were things that were seen by me this morning that were not there last night, okay? So those things were largely beer cans, okay? A variety of uh, brands of beer cans, and they were all of the light variety. So there are Keystone light cans, and there are Bush light cans, there are natural light cans, there are Miller light cans. Those are the ones that I noticed this morning. The other thing that I noticed as I came up um, were lots of um, student females who were dressed up wearing name tags. Now they weren't out here last night when I was walking around. And I thought to myself, oh yes, it's Rush. Now if you don't know what that is, you, I don't know where you've been, but um, way, way back in the day, um, I participated in Rush. Uh, so some of you might find that a bit surprising and, and humorous, okay? But it's true. And I have the pin to prove it. Yes, I am a Tri-Delta. This is true. So when I saw the girls this morning with their name tags, I thought, God bless, right? Um, so I was curious to know kind of where, where we are in the whole recruitment rush process <coughs> because it kind of goes on for several days. So um, I, rather than like going up to the crosswalk to cross appropriately where you're like legally supposed to cross the street, I wanted to kind of intersect them so that I could talk to them. So I jaywalked and I said, um, is, is today bid day? And they were like, no, today it's philanthropy day. And I thought, well, oh, of course. So but take note that that is a side of that whole system that is kind of cool. Um, the Greeks have philanthropies. And I remember that Tri-Deltas is uh, childhood cancer. And one of the organizations that they supported then, and I believe they continue to, is the, the St. Jude uh, Hospital, yeah. whatever that's called. They help uh, the children who have cancer. So that's really cool. Anyway, bid day is uh, Wednesday. So be in prayer for all of them because no matter what you think about it, it's important to them. And I remember a time in my life when I engaged in that, um, uh, whatever that is, that thing, um, not really knowing what it was. My parents didn't go to college, um, so I wasn't like a legacy anywhere. Um, I was 17 years old when I went to college. Do not send a 17-year-old to college. Why do we do that? Okay. I went to a large uh, public university and I was 17. Dumb. Why do we do that? Anyway, I entered that process for whatever reason and I became a Tri-Delta and it was really fun. My memory of church at that time was the sorority house was literally located next door to a church. The only thing that we ever heard from the church was, week after week, do not 
park in the church parking lot. Every week, week after week after week after week after week, on Mondays at meeting, we would hear the same refrain. Do not park in the church parking lot. I don't think that that's one of the commandments that were preached on earlier. Everyone, Christian and Allison were here. They talked about the Ten Commandments. That was not one of them. Anyway, um, moving right along. So, some of you also might not know um, that I am a seminary graduate. Not only that, I'm taking classes once again with the same seminary. And um, I'm supposedly one day going to have a doctorate. How, does the, how do these things happen? So, weird, okay? And don't ever call me anything but Maggie, please. Please don't do that. People joke about me like, oh, we're supposed to call you doctor at that point. No, please don't do that. Um, but the focus of my studies um, and my interest really over the last, uh, I don't know, however many years, I love theology and I love the whole, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff, studying all of that. It's really interesting to me. It was not always in my life. This is something that God has done. Um, I could have cared less about this stuff, you know, for the longest time in my life. Um, but more than that, I really am interested in the practice and application of it. It's one thing to believe stuff, but it's a whole different ballgame to figure out how to actually live it, particularly uh, today, I guess. I mean, I didn't live any other time, but it seems as if it is, it is definitely a challenge to be um, someone who is seeking to follow Jesus and internalize these these things um, that we believe about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then live it. I am so super proud of Gabby um, and her gathering of people for reasonable faith. I am like the biggest cheerleader of that whole thing. I don't go to it all the time because sometimes I'm like, I went to the first one. I don't think I'm that smart. <laughs> so I tell her, I'm like, I don't think that I'm smart enough for reasonable faith. I know, I'm smart, but like I'm smart in a different way. Um, but I'm so proud of her, and that group focuses on really important things, and they discuss like, I don't even know because I'm not there, doctrine and, and apologetics and whatever that is, right? All of those things, super important. But my heart really is like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, so how do we live it? And not only that, like how do you lead people to live in that way? Um, so I'm going to start, of course I've already started, and I was going to put myself on a timer, and I've already been talking for probably too long, so I'm going to put the timer on now. Um, I want to share something, this is, I'm, I try to be practical about uh, all of this faith stuff, and um, So I'm going to read a devotional from today that I think is just ties in really well with the scripture that I'm going to read um, after this. So this is from a, a Celtic book of prayer, the September 2nd entry, written by Brother Corman, whoever he is. He's Irish, okay? Um, I was the first to be sent from Iona to Northumbria. Maybe he's Whatever, he's over there. When King Oswald asked us to send 
a mission. Mm. I was obedient. I mm. was even eager. It seemed a wonderful opportunity, a great new field of evangelism opening up to us. Yet, somehow, it didn't work out for me. I just couldn't get on with the Northumbrians. You know the Northumbrians. <laughs> they were so ignorant and so obstinate. Mm. Perhaps I got impatient. But I had so much to give and so much to teach. But they wouldn't take it from me. So I went back to Iona and we held a meeting hmm. at which I reported back to my fellow monks. Can you just imagine what that all sounded like? Mm -hmm. Then Aiden spoke. Mm -hmm. Now my guess is Aiden was the guy that when Aiden spoke, you were like, oh crap. <laughs> mm. I kind of find myself to be that kind of person. They're like, oh crap, what did you say? Then Aiden spoke. I've known him for years. I like him. But I hadn't expected him to come forward. Brother, he said to me, perhaps you were too eager, too demanding. Perhaps the gentle approach would have been better. At that, all the monks turned on him and said, all right. You go and try. I struggled to say the right thing, the Christian thing. I said, God bless you, brother. May you succeed. And I thought, little do you know. So Aiden went, and I stay here on Iona. I think that's fascinating to think about. Um, some kind of historical glimpse uh, into time, but you know those same kinds of things happen today, over and over and over again. Uh, leaders get sent out, people get sent out to do missions, and then they realize, oh, actually, this is a bit difficult, and I don't really like these people very much. And they don't want to hear what I have to say, and I'm going back home, right? This happens today. Is that, who's laughing over there? Yeah, Doug, Doug's like, amen. Amen, Doug is tracking with me. So I'm gonna read um, a, a little bit from the Gospel of John. Um, if you have any interest in John, of course you have interest in John, but if you have any interest in kind of delving into John a little bit more, uh, this fall, the Tuesday night group at Moe's, the story, hosted by Matt Leroy. And when Matt is not around, me, I get to play the role of Matt on those Tuesday nights. Um, we're going to be walking through John. And it's kind of a pattern that happens. It's been happening for years. John, Acts, John, Acts, John, Acts. We're back in John. Um, you might balk at like, oh, well, I've already read John. Come on over and, and um, see what committing to come on Tuesday night for a semester will do for your life. Because I promise you, you will learn something. So John's chapter 20, um, we find ourselves, this is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection of Jesus. Um, this section is entitled, Jesus Appears to His Disciples. And I've got highlighted up here, this is kind of the verse 
that I have been chewing on um, and will continue to chew on probably for the rest of my life that I really want um, to help lead people to uh, together figure out what does this mean and how do we do this? So it says on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's like some proof. People want proof of stuff, right? The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I mean, can you imagine? Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So I want to just kind of stick with this passage here, this little bunch of words, one sentence, essentially. And Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What could this possibly mean uh, for us today? And how do we, how do we track together um, as a community living this out? So I have a little bit of insight. I don't know if I'm right, um, but I'm just gonna tell you what I think, okay? This is what I'm learning. Um, so, number one, there's something significant about this peace that Jesus he said it twice peace be with you right now the other night Thursday night when there was all kinds of ruckus going on in Chapel Hill in a, in a particular area up here um, I found myself being drawn uh, to go into that area not to participate in the chaos um, and, and I'm not even saying this to like be like, yo, you're so spiritual, you know. I really felt like I was supposed to pray. And no one needs to even know that. Whatever. I, you know, I wasn't alerting anybody. So I left the house, walked up, prayed, um, got a table at Linda's outside on the sidewalk. So I had like a front row seat for the whole thing. And um, I'll tell you what. It was really upsetting to sit as a bystander and not know what to think about anything. Um, so I stayed there for a couple hours and I ate a hamburger and I watched and I prayed and I, and I left that night going home feeling really sad for this place and for these people, us, and all of everybody else, our state, uh, our country, I just felt sad. And there was one person texting me, well there's actually a couple people texting me, but one in particular who you know, who was texting me during all of that because um, he was up there too, was Matt. He was on the other side of the street kind of where all more of the ruckus was going on. And uh, at one point, um, when I saw like a flurry of activity and like lots of police and whatnot, I texted him and said, did you get arrested? 
And he said, will you bail me out? And I said, no, I never pay bail. Never do that. That's one, one of the one thing that I won't do is if you get arrested, unless you're my own child, I'm not paying your bail. Um, but it was funny to me how in that moment there was like, I felt like I'm not alone in all of this. And there was at least one other person. I'm, I'm hoping that there were many of us who try to have a sense that whatever is going on in the world, that there is someone standing outside of it who we say transcends, you know, in the big theological world, who stands outside of it all and cares far more deeply about what is going on than we ever will. Um, and I think that, that what John is telling us that Jesus was all about was that he was coming, Jesus came here to earth, he's God, uh, he comes as the God representative, the representative of heaven, and he got into the middle of it all, and now after the you know crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, he's, he's someplace with the Father and the Spirit. And they're still engaged with us, although in some ways, sometimes you're just like, I don't really understand how all of that works. And yet, we are part of the whole equation, okay? So, um, something that I noted this week about, in my reading, I'm gonna find a quote for you. Um, and you might, not, you might not buy this at all. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't believe any of this stuff. I think it's hooey. That's fine. I am totally okay with people not being where I am. It's okay. And I think that's really critical for us to be those kinds of people that it doesn't, it's okay if other people are not like where we're at. But it doesn't mean that we are better than anyone or that we act um, annoyed with them or as like, what was that guy's name? The brother that had the trouble like, I don't want to be like that guy. I want to be more like Aiden. Now, how did it all work out with Aiden? We've got to like progress through and see how his letters coming back home played out. Anyway, this the the John section here I think highlights for us the significance of who God is as Jesus is referencing the Father. There's a significant Father figure, um, Jesus, and the Spirit. Okay, in the church we call them the triune God, the Trinity. This is actually there is a doctrine, so you could look up the doctrine of the Trinity. It's a real thing. You can look it up. People debate about it. You know, over time, I learned this week that there was a moment after the Enlightenment, which was the moment in history when humans thought, "Oh, we're just you know far too intelligent for all of this." religious spiritual kind of stuff um, and the idea of the Trinity they use the word was eclipsed like it was like covered or overshadowed which kind of makes things what dark it got dark um, but apparently in the in the last 50 years there has been a return of focus more to like what who why the Trinity the Trinity matters. And, and how does that doctrine, that truth, 
affect us? Well, a lot of people who are leading in the church today are coming to realize that it makes all the difference in the world. In order for us to be um, applying our faith, we have got to be engaged with the triune one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. It's really easy for us to kind of think that we've got this mission that we're going to go out and accomplish. I'm going to get out there and do some good in the world. But in fact, the way that it really is from a Christian perspective is that God has a mission in the world, and we're just invited to come and participate. And we are empowered by God to do it, because the reality is when you get out there, when you finally get to the point where you're like, I need to actually move myself into a place where I'm going to kind of be uncomfortable and kind of like not know what I'm doing in order to be learning how to be effective in influencing anyone. Do any of you like to put yourself in a place where you don't know what you're doing? No. We don't like to do that. It's, it feels unstable. It feels insecure. But the only way that we can really learn and become de like dependent or relying on God is when we're kind of out of our element and we're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this by myself. I talked with uh, a couple students this week and um, I was asking them, hey, do you have any goals for the year? And they did. And the goals that they told me, I thought, these are kind of sad goals to me. Okay? Here were the goals. To get a 4.0. Well, good for you. Like, go get it. And nothing against getting a 4.0. Like, that's awesome. But you know what? I've lived long enough to know that there is more to life. And just because you get one doesn't mean your life is going to be all that much better than if you didn't have it to, to begin with. Um, now, this is coming from someone who had run in circles where there was the whole, you know, C's get degrees kind of mentality. <laughs> so there's that too, right? The other gal, um, her response was, um, oh, that she was working on a thesis and that you know she wanted to get that accomplished. These are noble things. These are noble things. You're a student, of course, you're supposed to be academic, but there is, there's more to life, okay, truly. Now even for us as the church, I would ask all of you as you leave here today, what is your goal in all of this? What do you hope to accomplish? Matt talks a lot about vision. It's awesome. Um, we have a sense of kind of where God is leading us. You know, we can dive into scripture and we can get together and kind of discern about what we're supposed to be doing. We need those kinds of things, like to, to get us to a place where we ain't there yet, and we want to get there, so we'll set some goals. But in between now and then, there's this huge space in between where actually it's like, how do I do it? You know, how do we do it? So 
to the Trinity, the quote that I didn't share with you that I said I was going to share. Something that I tripped upon recently that I thought, gee, I'm not really convinced that, that we, uh, as a, you know, the, the church it's, itself, kind of like the big, all over the whole world, this little tiny location, everywhere, do we have a really good sense of who this Trinity God really is? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It would be interesting to kind of do a survey and see where everybody was at about, like, what are they like? What is God like? We, saw, we sang a song about God being kind. I'll tell you what, I didn't realize that God was kind until I was, like, 40. That's kind of sad. How did I not know that God was kind until I was almost 40 years old? That's ridiculous, really. So this um, theologian that I have come to appreciate uh, very much, he said, uh, describing the Trinity, these distinct yet inseparably united persons share a common life, here it is, ready? Of mutual love and creativity. Mutual love and creativity. This love they share is not inward-looking or closed, but outreaching and generative. Do you know God like that? God is not self-concerned and selfish. God is this little group of Father, Son, Holy Spirit who are sharing a common life of mutual love and creativity. And then guess what? We're invited into that so that we then too will be people who share a common life of mutual love and creativity. I gotta say, as a whole, like the church universal, we got some growing to do. There is a tremendous capacity for us to grow in a common life of mutual love and creativity. So now, the classes that, that I'm in right now, uh, one is um, missional perspectives, the other one is missional leadership. Another class that I took this summer, um, because um, the Wesleyans were interested in me taking this class, was a Wesleyan church history. Really, really interesting things. Um, it's really helpful to, to take uh, coursework like that and study. But I'm not content to just like internalize it and have it in my head and like, I need it to really sink down into my heart and then I have a tremendous responsibility to invite all of you to come along to figure out what all of this means. Okay, there we go. I gotta wrap that up real quick. We need more time. So, which is, which is also something that I'm realizing too. We need more time together, okay? If you, if this is the kind of stuff where you're like, I really wanna figure out how to be someone who engages well with the world around me and invites people into common life of mutual love and creativity, we should hang out. Because it's, it's not gonna be enough for us to just have this relationship. Okay, this ain't gonna work for me. I don't know, it might work for you. It might be like, well, I'm gonna take that little nugget and I'm gonna go 
home and then I'll think about it for a week while I'm working on my 4.0 and my thesis. Okay, fair enough. Bless you. But some of you are like, no, I'm kind of like interested in this and I, I really would like to try to figure out uh, being a little bit, imagine this, risky with my faith and figuring out how to be creative, how to be invitational, how to be uh, innovative, how to get myself out of kind of like my comfort bubble space and put myself in places where I'm not gonna feel comfortable and where I'm gonna feel out of my element and not know what to do. There is a ton of opportunity really close by for us to, I would say, experiment. We've got to be experimental and go to places and hang out with people that we do not want to be with. And you know what, to be really honest with you, if if we were gonna like do some kind of like reality show where they have like, we're gonna pair up this churchman. This is Chris, Professor Chris, come on up. And then Professor Chris is gonna get paired up with the barista that works in Carborough who, um, you know, does yoga and, and is an atheist, okay? And these two are gonna start to hang out together Everybody, they'd all look at each other kind of like, okay. But really, that's that's where we gotta go. Now I'm not saying we have to like do like a, a dating service kind of thing. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be weird? That'd be pretty funny to try that. That could be an experiment, that would probably fail. But we would learn something from it. But we've got to do, um, we've got to do this kind of stuff. I'm gonna leave you with, with this and kind of invite you uh, to do two things. And I'm gonna put myself out there and say, you know what, uh, you want some company to try these things out? Okay, I'm yours, I'm with you. Um, we've got to practice our way forward. Are you willing to practice your way forward? Are you willing to like be like, I don't know how to do this. This makes me really uncomfortable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to um, just hang out in a place where I can meet new people I do not know people who are coming from a different uh, realm of life. Are you willing to do that? Would you like to practice your way forward? I would like to be an encourager for you, to be a cheerleader. I don't wanna just be Gabby's cheerleader, I will be yours too. Because I think the significance of leadership is that not that the leaders tell you what to do and dictate everything and rule over you. I think Jesus has something to say about that. Well, actually, what we're supposed to do is encourage you and nurture you and help you to figure out who you are so that you're confident enough in your identity to get out there and have your life. The other thing that um, I'm really interested in getting together with some people to learn how to interact with strangers, how to have a conversation. How do you like... Go up and introduce yourself to someone. How do you think about these poor girls that are in um, recruitment and rush right now, whatever you want to call it. It's all that. And they get like these little moments where they're like, I gotta sell myself so that these people will like me in five minutes. What do I got? Hi, how are you? My name's Maggie. Um, I'm from blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've got a 4.0. 
and I like to party. Here, you know. <laughs> this is the kinds of things. We've got to learn how to do this kind of stuff, not to be manipulative or whatever, but to really just get to know people. Because you know what? People are awesome. And people are a pain. But so are you. Sometimes, right? So there's this book that I found, and it's called, um, this is not a, I don't know who this lady is. She's like a psychologist or sociologist or something. I'm going to read this book, and I don't want to read it alone. I want to do it with some people. She has a book out called Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a, in a Digital Age. Her name is Sherry Turkle. Anybody know her? She wrote another book called Alone Together. Um, why we expect more from technology and less from each other. I mean, those are timely sounding books, right? If you're interested in reading this book with me, we could start like a little group and discuss it. Uh, I am, I'm in, I'm game. Uh, we don't have enough time for all of this. Oh. We're gonna move over here to this table. Yes, Demont, let's hear it. Yeah, I did that already. Um, that's okay. Thank you for reminding. We have another plug for Moe's. Um, come Tuesday night and hang out with us at Moe's. You will be um, you will be challenged. I invite you to come to be challenged. I also invite you to come and remember uh, that you are invited to the table of the living God. Is there anything cooler than that? God the Father, <coughs> Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, the one who transcends all of the mess of who we are, of all the beautifulness of who we are. God transcends all of that. And he invites us to participate with common life of uh, mutual love and creativity. At this table, when we get together each week, when we, when we <coughs> celebrate, we remember that Jesus, the bread of life, walked in such a way that he engaged, he engaged with human beings who were created by God in a time and in a place uh, he, he came to earth and hung out with people like where they were. And he served them and he taught them and he was compassionate and gentle and he demonstrated love. If we want to know how to be like him, if we want to know how we can be sent, how could we possibly be sent, we have to look at Jesus to see what his life looked like. We have to look at accounts like John's Gospel and pay attention particularly to Jesus and what he was all about. How did he interact with people? He was kind. He was a healer. He was generative. He was life-giving. He was generous. He put others before himself, which is why he died in the way that he did. But he didn't stay dead because God raised him in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that indwells those who believe in Jesus. Last week, some of you stood on the banks of a creek, 
some of you got into a creek. Whether you were in the creek or whether you were on the bank of the creek or whether you just know what I'm talking about because I'm talking about baptism because you were baptized, the same spirit that is at work and alive in you raised Jesus from the dead. And he invites us all to come to this table so that we could be nurtured and encouraged so that we too may be faithful and obedient in being sent into the world around us to make a difference. So I invite you to come. Um, Robbie, where's Robbie? Robbie was gonna help me say his name. Is he up there? Yeah. Come on up, Robbie's gonna help me. To serve the body of Christ, broken for you, and the blood of Christ shed for you. Before you come up, you might want to take a moment to kind of reflect on where you're at. Confess where you're at. Confess belief. Confess doubt. Let God know where you're at. If there was something that struck you today about what I said or how I said it, talk with God about it. And then reach out to me. And let's get together. Um, Maggie.maraz, M-R-A-Z, at gmail.com. You can email me. We will get together. But I really am sincere about... Uh, wanting to do this together. Father, um, I pray, Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and bless these elements of bread and wine. I pray that they would be life-giving to us and that we would leave this place, Lord, empowered by you uh, to really sincerely want to grow, uh, to change, uh, and to adapt, to be innovative and creative, and most of all, Father, most of all, Jesus, most of all, Holy Spirit, that we would love. In your name I pray. Amen.